why are antiheroes so popular? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, home for the creative intellectual. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, aspiring rap scallion. And with me, as always, is my roguishly radiant co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and um, I, 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 I like that uh, uh, you, you were on theme today. <laughs> yes, thank you. I, thank I'm going to say and uh, lover. I remember there is a on the personality test I took, the mm, uh, the we're the going deep break. into our self descriptions today. One of the descriptors that said this was the swashbuckler personality, Ooh. and I've always really liked that. Ooh. So self-described swashbuckler. I can see that. Yeah, I can see you. it. Thank Very you. Errol Flynn. You have Errol, like millennial or, Errol or Flynn Jack vibes. Sparrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I can roll with that. Oh, and well, we as you know, we like have have fun thinking about deep subjects. If you enjoy the way we have fun thinking deeply on the show, where can people go to have more of that? Well, people who are listening, all of our Overthinker family, um, you can go to our website at theoverthinkerjournal.com if you want to find out more about us and what we're doing. Um, and I want to give a quick shout out to our online Facebook group that now has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people on there now. It's a private group called The Overthinkers on Facebook. And we have amazing memes, amazing articles, pictures. And the best part is we're all discussing them. We're all discussing the things that we talk about on this podcast. So we have a bunch of overthinkers who just want to discuss and debate in a really healthy um, and good-mannered way. And so we would love to have you. So please head over to the online group uh, on Facebook, The Overthinkers. And I think that's all the announcements I have for today. Fantastic. Okay. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait. If you like the podcast, would you please leave us a review? It helps Mm, us so very much. Really share with a friend. And by the way, real quick, I will say nothing set in stone, but um, because the lockdowns and uh, things are coming to an end, thank Thank God. We are planning on sometime, hopefully later this year, having some actual in-person overthinkers meetups. So I just want to go ahead and put that in people's minds. So get excited and we'll be announcing soon when and how and where that will happen. Sounds great. So now ready to talk about what we're talking about today? Let's do it. Cool. So today we are talking about anti-heroes. So Merriam-Webster defines an anti-hero as a protagonist or notable figure who is conspicuously lacking in heroic qualities. Anyone who has kept up with any culture in recent past knows that anti-heroes are exceedingly popular. From shows like Rick and Morty, House of Cards, Breaking Bad, films like Joker, Godfather, Scarface, Deadpool, Suicide Squad, people can't seem to get enough of rooting for people who, by definition, possess deeply unadmirable qualities. Of course, anti-heroes have been with us for a lot longer than that. One of the classic epic poems in history by John Milton is Paradise Lost, which famously features Satan himself as an anti-hero protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nathan, how do you define an anti-hero? And why do you have people and us have such affinity for them? And do you think the popularity of our podcast is due partly to our highly cultivated anti-hero personas? I think so. Actually, I think that you and I have a good cop, bad cop thing going on. <laughs> yeah, from a little bit. Probably like we've said, you're Captain America, which I know uh, irks me slightly. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm Iron Man, which actually irks me slightly. <laughs> Grass is always greener. Exactly. <laughs> I'm really more of a Thor man, but yeah, that's yeah. Fine. But I always get the likeness to uh, uh, Iron Man for whatever reason. Um, but this is a great question and something that you and I have talked about ad nauseum yes, in, in conversations that we have not recorded. So it was time to record this conversation. Really and um, what we've come to, you and I, is that there's two different definitions that seem to be 
utilized colloquially. Yes, yes, exactly. And and people always are disagreeing with one definition. So there almost seems to be two definitions here. Yeah. One one of these definitions of the anti-hero is ultimately like an Iron Man. Right. He is a hero. He is doing the right things. He's just kind of a rapscallion. He's just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. A, he says some rude things occasionally right. and yeah. you know doesn't doesn't uh, act like Captain America, the good right. old Boy Scout. So that is one definition of the anti-hero. Still a hero, just kind of not your... He marches to the beat of his own drum a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Yes. It doesn't fit the mold that we've understood that we in Superman. Yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, and then you have the other version, uh, definition of anti-hero, which is what we've seen a lot in recent years, which right. is literally a bad guy who is the protagonist. Right. Who yes. is the main character, whether that's Walter White um, or Frank Underwood. They are the people's uh, story. They are the characters whose story we're following and they're evil. Right. So you have two. So he's literally an anti-hero. Hero. Yeah. So to me, that's just following the story of the villain. Right. Um, but, uh, but for the sake of this podcast, we're going to kind of parse these both out yes. and um, talk about both of them, actually. So that's a really good distinction you made there. Yeah. yeah. And I think it needs to be made more often because um, I love antiheroes when it comes to a, a hero doing the right thing, even though he doesn't fit the mold of what we think right. a hero ought to look like. Because that feels like me. Yeah. I am someone, I think it probably feels like a lot of us, actually. Probably most uh, of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think a lot of us have a hard time connecting to um, uh, Superman. Uh, I, I said I said this a while ago. When I was younger, I believed I was Superman. Yeah. And when I grew up older and made tons of mistakes and yeah. failed a lot, but still wanted to do the right thing and still longed to be a good man, I realized I was Batman. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. Right. The Batman was my hero because Batman is good. He does the right thing but he isn't perfect. Right. And so I think a lot of us have that realization that we want to do the right thing. We want to be a hero. We want to um, help the world and make positive actions, but we're also confronted with our own humanity that's full right. of mistakes and fracture and brokenness. And so that's the kind of anti-hero that I love. I really love that kind of anti-hero because I feel like that. I want to be a good man. I want to do the right thing, but I'm constantly confronted with right. my own imperfect humanity. So, you know, that version of anti-hero is the flawed hero. Exactly, exactly. Right. So we just and, need to get rid of this term altogether. Right. And well, and the thing is, and you make an excellent point, because when, you know, we asked on the on the Overthinkers page and you talked to most people, like, why do they love antiheroes? What they have is like, because I relate to them more. Yes. Like, I relate to them more. It's like, I am a selfish person. Actually, I make mistakes. would now be a good time to read some of the... Um, yeah, that's actually a great idea. Let me okay, let me, let me pull them up. Yeah, I took some... This is real time, guys. Yeah, <laughs> we totally planned these out so to well. To the letter. Yes. Okay, here we go. Um, so I'm going to read my friend, Mark, who was, uh, went to acting school with Hi, me. Shout out to Mark. He's British. He's coming to us Ooh, from well, that England. Means he says he's going to be super smart. Across the pond it is. And I'm trying, and maybe I should read it in his accent. I think the appeal of the anti-hero is the vicarious nature of the, the, the character. They do things we wish we could do. They don't give a damn as we wish we could. It's not caring what people think and it's not following the rules, regardless of consequence uh, that's a big fantasy for many people. Charismatic villains will often become the antihero after enough time because uh, enough time because people love the devil may care attitude. Loki, Spike from Buffy as examples. It's fulfilling the reckless we cannot as a society exhibit. So basically what he's saying is people like antiheroes because it's cathartic too. They yeah. say the things they wish we could say yeah. and they do the things that we wish we could do. Well, so this is actually interesting because there's a Psychology Today article, Why We're Obsessed with Antiheroes, that's by Mark uh, Taverns, PhD. And one of the things he, he 
is actually summarizing and does an interview with, that's on another study, study about antiheroes, um, which I think actually have the actual study here, which is by Derek Greenwood, uh, Dark Side of Antiheroes. Anyway, what it's found is that people who have more of the dark triad of personality traits, the you know, narcissism, psychopathy, or other things, um, I forget the, what the third one is, um, tend to relate and like antiheroes more. Oh no. So, <laughs> it's, but the thing is she is sp talking more specifically about the other kind of antihero. Interesting. It's a villainous protagonist. Okay. Antihero. And so it, is, it seems like relatability is a big part of people liking antiheroes, which kind of seems like it should be no, no brainer. Like, yeah, yeah we, we like people who are like ourselves and we like to root for people who are closer to who we are. So that's, that's one part of the equation. Now, so, I think most people get it. Oh yeah, if there's an anti-hero is basically a flawed hero, then we all like that one person we actually- We can connect to it more. We can connect to yeah. it. I'll actually uh, put this more. Um, Adam Nettishain right, said, uh, Hebrews 11 shows a list of heroes, but when you read the stories, you see that there is so much of them that is anti-heroic. For me, that gives me hope in life. I identify with their failings, doubts, and mis missteps. Maybe I can be used by God too in the brave, courageous ways that I don't quite identify with right now. So mm. that's the things like, okay, yes, if it's a flawed hero, then it's about, well, we can be heroes too. That's why I, I love Jesus and yeah. I talk to him. I have a relationship with him. I don't identify with him. He's right. God. I identify with Peter. Right. I identify with Thomas. I identify with David. Which is part of actually the uh, what's successful about the new TV series about Jesus, The Chosen, because it's mostly from the point of view of all the other people around him. flawed him. heroes. Right. People who want to do the right thing, which still stuck in their humanity. Right. So now what's interesting then is going to the other side of it, the villainous protagonist. Mm. Like why do is the villainous protagonist so popular? Because you also, because this, this going back of this, you shared an article on the Overthinkers page a little while ago that showed that people don't actually like to um, play the evil choice when video games give them choices. Yes. They like to play the heroic choice, even though if it's all wishful film, it's like we're all bad people. And there's no actual consequences. Right, exactly. And there's no actual consequences. Why don't we all want to do the evil thing? So why is it that that's true, but also there is this um, huge popularity in the villainous protagonist antihero? Well, and that's a, that's a great question because in recent years, and I'm, I'm sure it's been going on for a long time, maybe even yeah. starting with The Godfather, at least in film, sure. yeah, yeah. and you had literally fall in a mafia family doing terrible things. Right. But within that mafia family, they still have a code, they still have honor, which is right. interesting. But now you get to this place where we see um, protagonists like Frank Underwood in yeah. House of Cards, who is just purely evil. Yes. There is no code. There yeah. is no goodness. He is killing people, lying, manipulating, and we watch it with glee. Yes. Now, I'm not, I'm not judging people. I watch a show. is interesting. And then we have Walter White. We have Breaking Bad, which is, I guess you could say, you it's know. It's a little bit more morally like. Yeah, it's just, he's sympathetic. And it's like, and again, even though we, we shake our finger and disapprove of what he's doing, we still look forward to the next thing he does. Yeah. Well, and then one of my um, primary examples, and I think, unfortunately, I talk about this in my book, Good Man, little plug, um, <laughs> now available on Amazon. I talk about uh, the Joker. Yes. The Joker, especially the resurgence on screen of the Joker, and especially in Christopher and, Nolan. And of course, you had, yes, you had like the Joker movie, but even before that, the Dark Knight's Joker. Yes. Well, and that's the one that really got me thinking about this yeah. because I actually liked the Joker. I thought he was a great yeah. character. He had a philosophy, he had interesting insight. And to be honest, I actually agreed with a lot of the things he espoused. Right. Um, uh, more or less, I thought it was interesting how he looked at life and people and, and our depravity. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was interesting. But the Joker took over um, the spotlight from Batman. This is supposed yes. to be a movie about a hero, and we're supposed to idolize Batman. And after The Dark Knight came out, what you had is 
um, a swath in culture of young men, not idolizing the hero, right? Who was doing the right things and, the, and became the hero, but idolizing the Joker who is actually evil, killing people, doing terrible, terrible things. As so much to the point that the next, when the next movie came out, um, very sadly and uh, awfully, that someone had connected with this character in some yeah. way, shape, or form. Um, to a degree so much that we all know about the uh, the Dark Knight shooting yeah. that happened where the person literally dressed up as the Joker. Um, and obviously this person had previous mental issues. I don't right, think right. that Christopher Nolan to blame for this or that, but I do think that there was something that he found in the character of right. the Joker that made him feel bold. And what I look at a lot of the young men, um, especially, right. um, but across all genders and, and cultures, um, is that I think that young men feel powerless yeah and i think they feel small and they feel insignificant in my research for my book i looked a lot into incel cultures right into gang cultures and i think there's a pervasive feeling among young men and this this stretches across every race religion culture yep. um where men who feel unseen unheard unloved um will seek power in a way so whatever hurt they felt in life they will uh seek power over that pain that they felt. And so I think when you see these characters like Walter White, like yeah. Frank Underwood, like the Joker, you see characters that are acquiring power. They're, they're untouchable. Yeah. I mean, literally there's a, a monologue, great monologue by Ryan Cranston in Breaking Back where he said, I am the one who knocks. Yes. You have this, um, this, uh, the school teacher who is is getting beaten down by life rise up and yeah. become this drug lord yeah. who has power over everyone, and that I think is really intoxicating um, to uh, men, especially young men who feel powerless. And yeah. so they see these characters like the Joker, who seemingly silly and laughs at life rather than being hurt by it, and he is able to find and use power in that kind of nihilistic yeah. um, belief. So I think a lot of it has to do with men are attracted to these characters because they represent the power that they haven't felt in their own lives. Yes. No, I think that that's a, those are, that's a, there's a lot there and it's an excellent point. And I think that you've, again, you, you've, you get to really see this, you know, very specifically with movies like, you know, with shows like Breaking Bad, the first episode is all showing him feeling like he can't, Stop, like there's there's evil there are people who are abusing him treating him badly and he feels like because he's a good man he can't actually do anything to stop them and but, life in general too, yes and life in general beating him up but then he actually because he starts doing these you know negative things and starts allowing himself he actually is able there's a scene where he like there's some people who are teasing his son mm. and he actually finds it within himself to beat them up And then with the Joker, again, he gets beaten up by these people. And even the Joker's backstory of all these weakness happening and he exactly. rises above it. Exactly. And to be strong. And it's like, you know, there's a documentary on rampage killers mm. and called rampage killers. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. One of the things that they found, they go to find people who did commit like acts of brutality uh, through in, like rampage, like school shootings and stuff like that. And they interview some of them and they all said the same thing about like, look, I have a choice between being a victim and a victimizer. Mm. And um, so I want to be the victimizer. You know, it's like, that's the same thing as I am, you know, uh, what's the thing? That thing is like, I'm not the one who opens the door and gets shot. I'm the one who knocks. Yes. Says, you know, I can be one or the other. So I think you make an excellent point there. I think on a deeper, in a, in a, on another broader level, I think that the reason we like antiheroes is in a sense because we don't actually see them as antiheroes when we admire them. 
Mm. We actually see the problem as not with them, but with society. So you brought up The Godfather, which is an interesting thing, because one of the things that the Godfather movie like is like The Godfather and Scarface did was that they created an, an implicit critique of the culture because it was like, the reason that people go to the Godfather to get help, these poor innocent immigrants, is because the rest of the culture is not actually protecting. So them. these "quote unquote" immoral men are actually acting moral within the context of the society. It's the society that's actually the fault of creating them. You're not going crazy, Arthur. You're going sane in a crazy world. Well, and I think that's a common sentiment along a lot in a lot of groups is that society is at fault. So whatever I do is kind of justified. So yes, yeah, so that's the sort of negative side of it, which is that. Once you do that, once you say society's fault, therefore I'm the good guy for fighting against it or doing things, yes. then you will allow yourself to do a lot of other unspeakable things. Interesting. But the thing is, again, you take, let's go like with Rick and Morty. It's like a lot of times, yes, we're kind of like, yeah, he's a, he's a bad character. But a lot of times, like the reasons we admire him is like, yeah, we are also cynical about our society. Yes. We also think that there's a problem with our society. Like when he says, you're all stupid, we kind of agree with him because so we're not actually seeing him as an anti-hero. We're seeing him as a hero and our society as pushing the naivete yeah. on us. We give one more example of this. Actually, I was going to give it one more example of this and I forgot what it was. Well, I'm going to go off of Please. Yes. Rick and Morty. Rick is an interesting character in Rick and Morty. And if you, ha if you haven't seen it, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it is about this eccentric um, scientist who has this personality where he doesn't care about anything, nothing in life can yeah. touch him. And he will always rise above it or evade it because of his personality and his outlook on life. And I think that's very intoxicating yeah. for those of us who feel that life has beaten us up or who have, yeah. been, uh, the vi who have been victimized. It's, it's cathartic to feel like, I wanna be like him. Life doesn't affect him like yeah. it has me. He, he doesn't feel yeah. the pain because he evades it because of his personality, because of his mind, whatever it might be. And so I think anti-heroes are very, very, intoxicating and alluring because we wish that we wouldn't be hurt by life, especially yeah. when we have felt powerless, victimized, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. I just want to bring this up really quickly. Yeah. Thinking about this through the lens of Christianity. Yes. Which we do every once in a while. Yeah. Every now and again, <laughs> yeah. it, when you look at the Christ figure, right. It is antithetical to what any man would have made up. Right? Sure, and I mean, man as a mankind, any person would have sure. would have made up because we see all these antiheroes that are that are taking power, taking back. Right. And in those times, Rome was totally oppressing. So right. all of the peoples, um, they were they were victimized daily. And so you would think that the the hero this world needs was one that comes in and totally escapes the pain, doesn't care, um, has a, and he takes on and, and overcomes with power. Right. And what you have is- Either the warrior king or the, I don't know, the, um, uh, the detached stoic. Yeah, yeah. And what you have is Jesus says, I'm humble and meek. He is someone who faced, um, uh, he, he faced pain head on and actually faced defeat. He was yeah. killed, Christ was killed killed that was not an overcoming of the powers of rome he even had his disciples who wanted him to and he said that's not what we do so it's really interesting to think about anti-heroes and our and our allure towards them and then they have the person of christ and they're so opposite but no one would ever say that christ isn't powerful but right. it's a different kind of power and it's achieved in a different kind of way no well, i think that's an interesting that's a that's an excellent direction to go there is that he you know the, the people people become monsters because they think the only choice between being a victim is to be a victimizer. Mm. And, and so what Jesus does is he shows us there's actually a third way. You don't actually have to be either one of those. 
I got a quote, you either die the hero or live long enough to become the villain. <laughs> so Jesus died a hero. Yes. <laughs> and that was resurrected, but that's as a hero. As a yeah. hero. Yes. <laughs> um, I think that's what I was actually going to say is that the, the thing that I actually think, because people are already talking about like, how has the anti-hero evolved over time? Mm. And why, because one of the things, and, and different people have tried to sort of have their own takes on this. Like there's a, um, online, there's a, a, a series on YouTube called The Take. And they've been trying to say like, well, you know, we used to like see anti-heroes, you know, valorize them. Now we see them as ambiguous. And now we've transitioned sort of from male to female anti-heroes. I don't know that that actually quite works as well. But I think that there's one interesting thing that I've seen as development of anti-heroes is that the stand-up comedian has become the anti-hero. Interesting. Because they are a person, they're the person who can cathartically like speak things that we don't feel like we're allowed to say because we think society is being too oppressive. And they're not under the thumb of society. Exactly. And so that has become, so you're you're seeing a lot of people developing cults of personalities around comedians, around people like that, who, and you know, Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, people like that, or Joe Rogan, who was like, well, they're not afraid to say what they want to say. And, and even if it's wrong, even if it's bad, wrong, even if I disagree with they what they're said saying, it. they said it. And I feel scared that I can't say the things that I want to say. So vicariously, we live through their quote unquote bravery of the saying the thing. Right. Why would you say something so controversial yet so brave? And so I think that that's sort of the question that we have to ask is that at what points, because, you know, the anti-hero is cathartic and it's like, okay, and maybe cathartic is a positive thing. But then at what point do we say, here's where the anti-hero is crossing a line to where rooting for them is actually bad for us. And because mm. like, you know, I, I get this thing where like, I really love the movie Django Unchained. We watched that together. Great movie. Yeah. Well, I love the movie and I'm on board with it right up until the end mm. where it's like, you know, at first it's like, okay, he's doing all this stuff to rescue his wife and rescue and, and save the day. And that's like, and then he's accomplishes that. And then he goes back and then just commits mass slaughter that he doesn't Mm. need to do in order to accomplish his positive goal. And so that's just an example of like, what point with the antiheroes do we think, okay, it's a positive thing. And what point does it become something that's negative in our consumption of it or in our, you know, rooting for them? That's a good question. I think you look at their intent and their values. Okay. Because I think ultimately you look at early on a lot of these anti-heroes of the villainous yeah. protagonist journeys, their intent was good and their and uh even sometimes their values, like providing for your family right. is a good thing. I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. But then his intent and his values changed. Right. And it was, I'm going to be the most powerful, the most dangerous. Right. Um, and I'd say, well, he's no longer a flawed hero. He's yeah. just a villain. Right. Because he's actively causing pain and hurting people for selfish means. Um, and he's actually let go of the ultimate, uh, the the original selfless desire. Yeah. Um, so I'd say, what is the, the goal mm. of uh, said character? Is it good or bad? And then, you know, the anti-heroes or the, the flawed flawed hero is a great way to do that. You can show someone who yes. has the goal, maybe does it incorrectly, does it wrong, but he learns from that. Or maybe the, the um, uh, what was it, the, the hero, the flawed hero is just someone who is a hero and does the right thing, but he just has personality quirks. Sure, yes. That is something that's totally positive. We all have yeah. personality quirks, but ultimately it comes down to their values, their direction and their desire. Yeah. What do they actually want? Um, and what are they actually going to or seeking to accomplish? And I think that is a pretty clear distinction. I still think, to be honest, 
there's really, there's no such thing as an anti-hero. I think it's a, a term we've kind of invented. Obviously. Yeah. Um, it's a literary term we've sort of invented. Yeah. But I think there are villains and there are heroes. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I know that seems black and white and old fashioned, but there are. There We're are, allowed to do that. It's our yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there are villains and there are heroes. Now there are flawed heroes and that there are empathetic villains, but yeah. there are still villains and heroes. And the way we can judge that is by what they desire and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it. Yeah. Um, and it ends. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, Let's take Iron Man again. Yeah. He is a flawed hero. He has flaws. He's selfish sometimes. He says ridiculous things. He has quirks. But ultimately, his desire is to bring about goodness, safety, protection, um, uh, positivity to the world. Yeah. And then you look at the Joker. Um, <laughs> these, these are not comparable, even though they are. Yeah. These two are not antiheroes. You're just comparing them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The Joker, um, he wants to hurt. He wants to yeah. show the de- depravity of humanity. And he wants to engage and celebrate in that depravity. Yeah. That is evil. I don't care how quirky or unquirky or funny they are. These two different characters are clearly a hero and a villain. And I don't think there's much ambiguity. Um, and I know people think, oh, there's nuance. Yeah, of course there's nuance in the character themselves when it comes to their means, their desires, yeah. and uh, the way they achieve their ends. I, th- I think that's an excellent point. I think that the your distinction of is what they love you know, right? Do they love yes. the right things? Is what they love and what they desire moral. good? Moral and good, yes. Um, and are there means more good than they are bad. You know, again, because yes. like you can, you know, because at least the broad strokes, they're, you know, their main thing. Because like sometimes, again, you make mistakes, you do wrong things sometimes. But in general, do their lives glorify what is good? Yeah. Rather than glorify what is evil. I think if, if, if someone's life glorifies evil, and even like, you know, again, you have the prophets and and some of the, you know, heroes of the of the Bible, even their flaws, you know, are portrayed in the Bible in such a way that the flaws are treated as flaws. Yes. And they're, and so even that treating someone's flaws as flaws. And I think that that's, it, it celebrates what is good. And I think that yeah. that is something also literarily, the difference between a, a show like Breaking Bad and, and uh, House of Cards is that ultimately the fact that Walter White becomes a, a villain in Breaking Bad is, makes it a tragedy. Yeah. And it's treated as a tragedy that he falls. Yes. Even though we understand why he does. And so we're there from on his journey. This show still does treat it as if it is a tragedy that he falls. Whereas House of Cards, it's a wish fulfillment. Interesting. That his moments of evil. So I cannot feel guilty about watching Breaking Bad. Yes. Because it is a tragedy and it calls out that this is bad and destructive. Where House of Cards is less a celebrate But you do have to feel evil. bad about watching House of Cards. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. You see, I can live with that. Yeah, that's not <laughs> um, And so, yeah, and I think that that's just something we have to, as audiences, you know, uh, figure out within ourselves, what are our motives for watching this? Are we watching this to enjoy the evil in it and celebrate the evil in it or the good? Yeah, and to... And to um, and what does this inspire us to do? Yeah. Watching these characters. We, we identify with characters and I understand that we identify with um, anti-heroes and flawed, and flawed heroes. Yeah. Um, but ultimately we look at their actions and who they are and who they're becoming. What does this inspire us to do and how, how to live? Are you, are you becoming less connected with um, empathy and love yeah. and desire for positivity as you're becoming more connected with power over things and um, nihilistic thinking and not caring about others? Or are you embracing, yeah, I'm, I'm a flawed person, I'm, I have humanity, but I still want good. And I will say this too, flawed heroes are way better anti-heroes because ultimately they're flawed, like you said, are called out. That actually gives some arc to them. Yes. They have things to learn. Like, I hate to bring, keep on bringing up Iron Man, but it's great story. He starts out- One as of the a, best arcs in the entire series. Fantastic. He grows. He goes from yeah. this womanizer to a committed man taking care of a woman. He goes from this selfish person to ultimately- 
spoiler alert, yeah. leave now, <laughs> giving his life yeah. for the entire world. And so the flaws can actually be a part of this beautiful hero's journey, whereas the flaws can never be a part of a beautiful hero's journey if they're just a villain. It's a tragedy, like you said. Yeah, well, that's a great place to end on. Cool, cool. So did we come up with blessings and curses for this week? I have a couple off the top of my head. Okay, cool. Do yeah. you want to go? Because I've forgotten to think of them. Okay, <laughs> um, yeah, I will go. So this is for our, our segment, blessings and curses. We, you know, find movies and shows or piece of art, like I said, that uh, we want to bless and recommend or curse and not recommend. So Nathan, what are yours? I'm going to try to think of things that we haven't covered already. About, but <laughs> yes. I probably won't necessarily yeah, be able fine. to. Um, I will do my curse first, and it's gonna be The Wrath of Man. Ooh. We just saw this movie. That's um, really good. Who's the director? Oh, um, uh, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Um, one, it it just wasn't great to me. Yeah. Just like, I know I was a minority in our group. It just wasn't great. Yeah, it was I, fine. I, I, the act is boring. It was way too long. Um, first act was great. Yeah, yeah, the first act was fine. Um, but ultimately it's just you always know he's just gonna kill a bunch of people and we're yeah. gonna we're gonna justify it. Right. Because he had someone who he liked killed. Yes. Um and yeah, that one person he liked killed. Yeah, was, <laughs> so he killed justifies like 50 other yeah, people. Exactly. Yes. And it it just wasn't great to me. It was yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, and I'm always down for just a stupid, ridiculous movie. It just wasn't even that either. It wasn't yeah. even fun. Like nobody, we saw nobody a while yeah. ago. Nobody was ridiculous. And talk about an anti-hero, that's yeah. an interesting one. Um, ridiculous, but it was still fun. Yes. You know, this just wasn't e even any fun. So that is my curse. I'm cursing the wrath of man. Um, that's and, a good one. And I will say he really just loved barring those biblical images, imagery <laughs> and, and literary <laughs> aspects. Yeah, he like, sort of went to the uh, Zack Snyder school of- But it had nothing to do with anything. Just like Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, <laughs> like let's just this. insert this here yes. for some reason. Because it give me that's death. That's deep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, not, not my favorite. Um, as far as bless, man, uh, I said, I wasn't going to bless something we already talked about, okay. but I do love the hero's journey and the quote unquote flawed hero of Iron Man. So okay. I think it's beautiful. I think it's, um, encouraging. You see, I have this hero that's relatable and in some ways he's obviously a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I too genius. have a million yeah. dollar company. <laughs> but his, his character, his selfishness yes. is relatable, his uh, impulsiveness yeah. his but you see him not lose his personality yeah. over the, the course of um, the, the Marvel uh, yeah, and all the movies. What they didn't do is a lot of times I feel like to take, uh, to take a hero, an anti-hero, one place you have to lose their personality to make yeah. them good. And I don't know how they managed it, but he didn't lose his personality. He's still fun, sarcastic, interesting, yeah. impulsive even, but he became good. Yeah. And that's what I love. I, they somehow made him a good hero yeah. while still making him interesting with all of his original personality. So I really love that. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with those. I'm going, yeah. Sounds great. So, okay. So <clears throat> I am going to, um, let me say, I am going to bless the TV series um, 24. One of the reasons I'm going to bless that. Uh, yes. Got to go with that. You must have grown up. I did that. not watch that. I was grown up. I was really? actually like a friend of mine introduced it to me later. Okay. But I thought what, what I really think was really excellent about it is you did have a person who very much was an antihero. He did things that none of us could really approve of in very, um, in, in with, with any, with any consistency. <laughs> However, what they did do as a TV show 
was they did a great job of actually taking the sort of feelings and fears that we that both on the left and the right during a very polarized time that we think of our time now as polarized, but it was also very polarized then. And the things that both the left and the right and people were afraid of and concerned about and find ways through art to give sort of like to explore that and ask those questions. Okay. And some of the answers that they gave were maybe not always the best, but it was a catharsis for the answers that people were looking for at the time. Interesting. And I think it does did that in a better way than I've seen most through him, through the character, through, through him, through the character, hero. through the character and the situations they were in, through the villains that he had to fight. That I think that most other TV shows did. So I'm going to bless that for its attempt at using an antihero to ask and answer some of those questions, and even take him on a bit of a redemption arc, where he realizes that not all the ways that he handled things was the best ways to do it. Interesting is um, is I think I'm going to bless that um, for Curse. I'm going to watch a movie that I just watched recently, Army of the Dead, where okay. it's and talked about a lot. Yeah, it's it's a a bunch of people who like where you got these this ragtag group of sort of like you know mercenaries and not so good people some of them flawed heroes and some of them very like not good people and it didn't do anything with it it was like it didn't it tried to deal with deeper themes okay but it really just became sort of something I, like you kind of talk about wrath of man where it's like it's not deep enough to be deep and not fun enough to be fun so it just it just peters out in the middle it just peels out in the middle and, and you get nothing out of you it. you get nothing out of it so i think again it's one of those things if you're going to do something where you indulge in some of those maybe less positive elements of humanity you have to there has to be a justification for it whether that's fun, fun. or depth exactly and well and that's what breaking bad did exactly it did both it was fun yeah. and it was depthful which we try to do on this podcast as well <laughs> <laughs> all right with that being said we are about to go see um, a female antihero, yes. which is not tons of them. And so I'm excited to come back and maybe give yes, you guys Yes, we're just about to watch Cruella, so to date our, our, our episode a little bit. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So we're going to go see Cruella. Um, so we'll see how this antihero fares. Yes, exactly. So when you see Cruella, you can ask us our thoughts because we're not going to do it on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, cool. So um, thank you for watching. Uh, anything or listening, anything uh, else you want to plug? Um, remember to go to the overthinkersjournal.com to find out more about the show. Uh, go to the online Facebook group. We love to have you there. It's the overthinkers on Facebook and leave us a review, share with your friends. That means so, so much and keep an eye out for the live events we're doing. And if you want to get in touch with me, Nathan Clarkson, you can go to my website, nathanclarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. Cool. And you can find me on any of the socials, Joseph Holmes. You can also find me on my website, josephholmesstudios.com. And of course, check out our website, theoverthinkersjournal.com. Thank you very much. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.